Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. All the time, God is. Woo! Glory, glory. Wow. What a day. Um, my wife and I um, drove up through Salmon Arm and met with Ed and Carol yesterday. It was awesome. And uh, sorry, on Friday, in the snow, was snowing. I think we left Abbotsford Friday morning at like 10 in the morning and sleeting, and by hope it was snowing, and I've, uh, I've never run my 4x4 four four as much as I did. We did the whole loop up there, uh, down through uh, Vernon, Armstrong Vernon, um, you know, Pastor Brent and Gene up there, uh, met with them too, had a great time, and then uh, on uh, yesterday afternoon, I met with a lot of my family, my, one of my aunts had passed away and uh, is in a glorious place now. Uh, we're excited. They were pastors for over 50 years in Fort McMurray, and uh, she's the last of my mom's three... There are three girls in my mom's family, the Hausfeld family, and uh, she was the last one. All the other sisters are in heaven, and now they're all in heaven, and I believe they're celebrating and rejoicing, amen, amen. in a much, a much better place than this earth. But yet this earth is better than many people think it is, because everything in this earth sings of God's glory. It sings of his glory. It sings the praises. Those mountains out there, they sing of his glory. That snow yesterday was singing of his glory, which is why I have a Ford truck, so I made it. Amen? With my Starbucks. If I had a Timmy's and a Dodge, I'd probably be stuck on the coca hell up there. But praise God. For star, I mean, for, praise God for Ford. I mean, praise God for uh, so good. Um, I'm excited about tomorrow night. Um, I'm hosting it. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm hosting a service. Woo! It's going to be fun from 8 o'clock to midnight tomorrow night. Uh, 12.01, we kick you out. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to hang out. But we're going to pray. We're going to celebrate. The youth, uh, the young adult worship team this morning was awesome. They, they lost a couple musicians at the last minute there. And Dean stepped in. Thank you, Dean. And Angel switched instruments and went to the drums. And they had actually never all played together before this week. So absolutely awesome and love it. And if, if the subs were too much, we have earplugs. Okay, we have earplugs. We'll hand you out some earplugs, and, and so no problem whatsoever. Uh, but I just love feeling music. Everyone's looking at me. Yeah, but I'm deaf right now. I know we got we can crank the microphones. It's no problem. So, uh, you know, but um, God is good, and uh, you know we have such a mentality of what church should look like. And I just want you for a moment to take. Let's say the New Testament church of Jesus and his disciples. And what did it look like? It didn't look anything like what we're doing today. And so we get into this mentality of what it needs to look like. And then we get into a pattern of what, it, what we expect. And because we go into the pattern of what we expect, we can actually shut out opportunities of something new. Because we get stuck in a pattern of what we expect. Now, I do a lot of flying. Uh, last year, I traveled uh, just over 150,000 miles in the aircraft, and I'm glad that they have patterns when they fly. 
I'm happy they have patterns that go east and that go west at different elevations. I'm glad that they have patterns at the airports. I really am. I'm so glad that the pilots have a pattern that they follow every time they start that plane up and take off and land. They know what speed. They know how to do it. I'm thankful for the patterns that they have. But sometimes patterns can get so religious that we actually miss the newnesses of God because we're stuck in a religious pattern. You see, religion isn't wrong. It's only wrong when it starts to overpower the newness of God. Look to someone but to your right and just say, you know what? I'm praying that you become better looking through this message. No, just say, you're, you're really good looking. Look to your left and say, I'm still praying. No, I'm just kidding. And just say, hey, you are amazing. You are amazing. <laughs> God is so good. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. So if anyone wants to be baptized, uh, if you've not been baptized, if you have been baptized in the past, and people, I'm sure, will send me emails on how they disagree with this perspective, but you know what? I can't say yes or no to someone who wants to be baptized, okay? Uh, if you, we've had people who've been baptized when they were a kid but want, just felt like something new and fresh was upon them, and they got baptized again. Praise God. Get baptized every day if it works. It doesn't matter, whatever, you know, but if you haven't been baptized or you have been and you want to, just bring a change of clothes. Um, and no, I'm not doing a six weeks message teaching on baptism. It's okay. We, we're going to explain it in the back room before you get into the tank, okay? And as long as you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, there is no way I'm going to refuse you from baptism, okay? So if you feel like getting baptized uh, tomorrow night, please... Uh, come, bring a change of clothes, bring a towel, and, uh, or don't bring a change of clothes. Remember a few, what was that, a while ago, we did spontaneous baptism one time. We had like one person or two people, and they were backing out. And what is it, like, was it 19? One time was 29, and one time was 19 people got up in their clothes with no change and, and got in the tank and got baptized. If you do it tomorrow night, we'll, you'll be an icicle before you hit the, the car, but we'll warm your car up for you. No, just come prepared, amen. Um, I'm excited to go to Russia on, uh, see, what day is today? This is Sunday, Monday's tomorrow night, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, first thing, early, early, while you guys are sleeping at 3 a.m. Wednesday morning, I'm up driving to the airport, and I get to jump on 27 hours of flights and land in the beautiful city of Moscow in January. Two, last January, I was there, and it wasn't as bad. It was actually about minus six, minus five, and we actually went and saw the Red Square, and the Kremlin was there, and President Putin was in the Kremlin, so security was crazy, and those guys take security to a new level. Like, I actually had fear come into me for a moment when those guys were checking me out. I'm like, okay... Who knows me in Russia, just in case? Uh, the, the year before, though, it was like minus 40, minus 38 in Moscow and blowing like 25, 30 miles an hour. It was bitter cold, bitter cold. But uh, I've been looking, the forecast doesn't look too bad, minus 10, minus 15, something like that. So praise God. We're going to go over. Uh, the churches in Moscow are on fire. There is revival, I, revival breaking out. I was in uh, Moscow and um, Yaroslavl. Uh, when was that? End of October, early November. This just a couple months ago. 
and I was there, and they had one of the largest youth conferences, the largest one in all of Yaroslavl, but one of the largest in, uh, in, in that area, that whole region of, of there. And people from, I think it was 15 different countries, all the Uzbekistans and the Lakistans, and I don't know what they are, all the Stan countries, I call them, that used to be old Soviet, old USSR. And they came, even people from Israel came. To, like, like literally to break into revival in Russia. Come on. Like, and it broke out. Like that young, that youth, uh, young adult uh, weekend was packed full of people from 15 different countries coming and celebrating Jesus. I tell you what, there's more than just the Fraser Valley in Canada. There's more than just America I mean, we've got to tell the Americans there are other countries. You know, we have some visiting here today, and we, uh, we just want to welcome uh, the Windward Church in Yelm, Washington. And just stand up, you guys. So some of them have come up, so we just love you guys. It's awesome. And uh, we're excited. We're excited with what God's doing in the big city of Yelm. It's right near Rainier, but isn't it, right? Yeah. And uh, anyways, it's amazing what God's doing. And you know what? It just shows that out of things that don't always work well, God has a plan that overpowers the things that went wrong. He overpowers it with his goodness and his plans for the future. Amen. I also, we have an amazing couple that we love here uh, in Windward very, very much. They're part of our senior leadership. They've been pastoring here in the church for, for a long time now. And uh, this is a special day of celebration for them. It's 50 years of marriage. So John and Lona, stand up. Yeah. Pastor John and Lona are an example of godly living, of Christian parents, Christian family, grandparents, and who they've raised up, and absolutely amazing. Their son was playing bass guitar up here, too. We're still praying for him, but that's besides... No, I'm just kidding, Dean. <laughs> Dean and Stacy, we love you guys, too. And, uh, but 50 years. Come on, guys. This is what marriage is destined for. This whole, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of this one and pick another one. That's what you do in Walmart. But that is not what you do in a covenant. Just think for a moment. You can take a bite out of your Big Mac and say, you know what, it doesn't taste right. Actually, you could take 15 bites and just still hand a little piece back and they'll give you another burger. You could buy something, wear it on a weekend from Walmart and take it back Monday. Not that anyone would do that in this house, right? So. But you see, those are things that happen with things and with But it shouldn't happen with attitudes. It shouldn't happen with marriage. It shouldn't happen with covenant. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Guess what? There's hope. Hope is a joyful expectation. It's the anticipation of joyful things. There's hope. If you lose hope, you're not going to be a happy person. And you see, there's a world out there that doesn't know what hope is. They think it's the city about an hour east of here. 
and honestly, that wouldn't bring me hope, living in that city. If you live there, bless you. It's your city to reach. Only thing I remember that really happened that was exciting was Rambo 1. Was filmed in Hope and in the Cap Canyon. It was good. I remember going in Capilano, watching Sylvester Stallone. Uh, I'm not going to say any more because that was a bad story in my life back then. But anyways, uh, we'll just leave it at that. But if we lose hope, you're going to look for everything else to bring you joy. You're going to find, you're going to try to find hope in a person. You're going to try to find hope in your car. You're going to try to find hope in your shoes. You're going to try to find hope in your, somehow you're going to try to bring yourself joy. You're going to buy, 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 or eat, 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 binge, binge, whatever, whatever it is. But you see, our hope has to be in Jesus Christ. Because if it's not in Jesus Christ, it's out of order to the kingdom of God. I can't even find the first fruits of hope in my wife. I have to first find the first fruits of hope in my Father through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Then I have joy to look and bring hope into my covenant of marriage. So John and Lona, congratulations. It's awesome. We love hearing these testimonies because they're, they're testimonies to encourage us. Again, if you've gone through a divorce, stay in hope. Yeah. Work hard at the next one. If you're going to remarry, if you don't, then your marriages with Jesus Christ. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm done. So No, I'm just kidding. So, okay. <laughs> I get back from Russia on the 10th. I'm here that, that Sunday, the 13th, I think. And then on the early Monday, I'm off to Colombia, uh, to Bogota, where I was actually born, and uh, for MPJ, Ministers para Misioneros para Jesus, and no para jovens, sorry, misioneros para jovens, MPJ, and um, I'm going to be there just for four days. I'm there for the Monday, the 14th to the 18th. I fly home, and then I'm here for a couple weeks. So I'm excited. Anyone getting tired listening to my travels? God gives us strength. Is anyone tired this morning? No one wants to admit it because I'll point you out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wake up. Wake up. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 23. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. We want to welcome you. If you're visiting here today, welcome. And we have a motto here, welcome home. If you don't have a church somewhere else, uh, please uh, pursue, and we want to become family with you. And if you do have a, a church somewhere else, take whatever you can and just bless your home family as well too. Amen? Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He was teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. There's something so vitally important in that one phrase right there. He was teaching in the places of worship. He was teaching in the areas that you would go for teaching. And what was he teaching? He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He went into the villages. He went into the towns. He went into the cities uh, teaching. And what was he teaching? He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You see, preaching isn't just about teaching. Teaching is living a lifestyle so when you live, you preach to the people. 
You say, well, I want to be a preacher. Actually, why don't you go after one of the five-fold ministries? You could be a teacher, pastor, evangelist, prophets, and apostles, I believe, are chosen. But you have to choose something to go after. If you're not going after something, you never will be that. It doesn't mean you have to have the microphone. Not at all. You better be living a lifestyle well before you get into the public eye. Because if you're doing it for fame and glory, let me tell you what, don't go into the ministry. Amen. That was spoken from the mouth of a babe, okay? Making sure that wasn't Kevin yawning, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. And and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. How did he preach it? Healed all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases among the people. Verse 24, and then his fame went throughout Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 24 again, then his fame went out. People say, oh, you know, don't perform, don't, too performance generated, or, or, you know, they're getting too famous, uh, we better bring them back down to their reality. No, 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 no. God created you to be famous, not for your name, but for his name to be glorified. You see, Jesus wasn't doing this to glorify his name. Everything he said, he heard his father say. Everything he did, he saw his father do. And so he was just living a pattern that he had already known from his father's kingdom. Verse 25, and great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Great multitudes started following him because the people were hungry for something. They just didn't fully know what they were hungry for. You see, the world out there is hungry for something. They're looking in all the wrong places. That sounds like an old song. But they're hungry for something because they've been created by God to hunger him. They just are looking in the wrong direction. And why are they looking in the wrong direction? Because no one has spoken and brought the true gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Or if they have, then they have chosen against it. I will tell you what, if you walk into the hospital today, let's say the Abbotsford MSA hospital, and you walk in and you heal 100% of every person in that hospital, I will guarantee you people will follow you. How about just one, amen? Can we go after one? So people from all over look to him so their loved ones could be touched. People started following him just to be touched. They thought it was to get healed physically. But the reality is, is the healing physically was just to open the door so they could be touched by God, the Father. Many of these people travel great distances. They left their homes, businesses, and jobs out of desperation to be touched by this man. That something he was carrying, something was different about him. 
Many didn't even bring provisions for themselves, but instead trusted God's ability to meet their needs. And after Jesus had healed the people and delivered all those who were possessed by demons, he sat down and gathered them to hear why he came. That was to bring the word. It was to bring the word. You see, our lives become testimonies to the people around us. Why? So we can bring the word of God. We can bring the kingdom of heaven that's touchable right now. We can, if we're living in something that is so supernaturally great, I guarantee you, when we walk around, people will know something's different with you. And we have to choose this lifestyle. It's not just, oh, you wake up one morning and everybody is, says you're famous. And you say, well, Brent, are you striving to be famous? Absolutely. Not for my name, but for his. You mean you want stardom? Oh, no, no, I didn't say stardom. That's Hollywood. I said famous in the kingdom of God. I want the angelic to be up there looking down. And there he goes again. Go, Brent, go. Go, Brent, go. Go, Brent, go. Are you stuck on yourself, Brent? No, actually, I lost myself. (laughs) The greatest message that Jesus brought was salvation, absolutely. Sins washed away by the blood at that cross at Calvary over 2,000 years ago. But his resurrection brought eternal life. His resurrection brought us the trueness and fulfillment of salvation, not just when we die, but here on earth when we live as well. That we're set free, not just when we die, but we're set free now in Jesus' name. That we don't have to live in the bondages of sin. We aren't called to live that lifestyle. We are called to live in the freedom that he had given us through that death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. That didn't just happen once. The Holy Spirit didn't just come and fly back out. He came to stay because it was the promise of the Father sent to us. But the second greatest message that Jesus brought is how to live as a Christian. And a lot of that is explained in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And as I was praying, Lord, what do we bring? I just kept getting the Sermon on the Mount. It's a message on how to live in the kingdom of God now. How to live. And so people say, Are you kingdom now theology? Absolutely. It's not a theology. It's just what I hear Jesus saying. Well, I thought you were Baptist. I was. I got the seminary degrees. It's great. But a Baptist isn't all that gets to heaven. Or a Lutheran. Or heaven forbid a Mennonite. I'm kidding. Come on. I'm joking. We love the Mennonites. It's Jesus Christ's understanding of his death and resurrection of what he did for you and me. That's what gets us into heaven. But not just when we die, 
The kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's touchable. John the Baptist and Jesus both declared it. The kingdom of God is within, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's touchable. From the beginning to the end, the Sermon on the Mount described what God's world is like. Jesus began his message with a revelation concerning the attitude of God's kingdom. Let's turn to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he, that's Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. So he's gone up to this mountain. He's seen all these people. He's gone up to this mountain, and he had a seat up there, and his disciples went, sat around him. You see, his disciples sat around him because they chose to hear what he had to say. And so often we'll close our mindsets to hear what God has to say because we have a pattern that just can't go that direction. Now, I'm not saying every direction is of God. Absolutely not. There's a big bad devil out there trying to destroy everything. But when it's a pattern of Scripture and it's a pattern of God, I guarantee you, whatever we have been comfortable with in the past, we should find new comfort in the newnesses of this living word of God. Amen? I, any of you ever read a scripture 10 years ago and then reread it again a few months ago and it meant something totally different to you? That's the living word of God. That's his patterns in scripture. Verse 2. And then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Be impressive if he taught him without opening his mouth, amen? But he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, that word spirit is pneuma, and in the human sense, uh, it's the rational soul. So blessed are the ones who are poor in the rational soul. In other words... Sometimes it's good to not be rational in a mindset. Because if we are rational with a human thought pattern, we're going to miss irrational things that we think are irrational, but they're God's way. Let me explain. Jesus walked on water. In our human mindset, it's irrational. We like to say, but it's Jesus, the Son of God, so no problem. Of course, it's the Son. What are you and I? Huh. Are we not adopted into a family? Are we not sons and daughters? Well, the interesting thing was, who got out of the boat to walk to Jesus? Well, yeah, well, okay, that one's a little harder to understand. That's right, because our rational mindset is saying that his feet don't have enough displacement capacity in them to support his weight. If you know anything about boats, it's displacement that holds them up. It's not the material they're made out of. That's why a concrete vessel can float, because it's displacing enough water. So our rational mindset will try to say, justify, well, Jesus, of course, he's Jesus. But you see, we need an irrational mindset. You need to be poor in spirit. Oh, no, no, well, we think poor in spirit is, oh, I'm just poor in spirit. Oh, I'm just a nobody. 
My favorite song is Amazing Grace because I'm a wretched, dirty sinner. And I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to carry all my burdens. I'm going to carry all my sin. Matter of fact, I'll carry all the sin of the world on my shoulder. Hold it. I think there's a story in the book of a man like that. And I was under the impression he carried the cross and the sins of the world so you and I wouldn't have to. (laughs) Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. That word is pantheros, mourn, pantheros. It's of uncertain affinity to lament, to lament. For they shall be comforted. Parkaleo is the word. It means to call near, invited to call to one side. So let's just see what is being said here. One side of the words that are being spoken here. Blessed are the poor. The blessed are the one who no longer have a rational soul. They lost it when they got saved. Blessed are those who lament for more, who are after more, who who are going after something, for they will be called near and invited to God's side or Jesus' side as he's speaking. Blessed are the meek, which is the word pros. It means mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit. I'm still working on that. Meekness towards God is the disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good. Listen. Pros, the word meek, mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit, meekness, so gentleness and mildness of spirit towards God is a disposition of spirit in which we accept the dealings with us as good. You see, he's going after the good. And therefore, without disputing or resisting, we're going to know that God is good. And in the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly are relying on God. Meekness in the Old Testament are the people that are wholly relying on God. Next part of the verse. For they shall inherit, that means obtain by inheritance. (laughs) They shall inherit, they will obtain by inheritance. I am a son of God. And I'm going to inherit the earth. The earth. What do you mean inherit the earth? I'm not inheriting the sin I'm inheriting the victories. I'm not inheriting the depression. I'm inheriting the joy and the celebration of the Lord. I, I am inheriting. When I, when I go to Moscow on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, you know you travel a lot when you wake up in a hotel and you're looking around. And you slowly grab your phone... And you say, where am I? <laughs> Siri is my friend. Hey, Siri, where am I? 
You're in Moscow, Russia. Oh, current location, two six, near 26200, 26552 52nd Avenue. Share my location, beep no. How do you stop Siri? Oh, it stopped. Blessed are the meek, wholly relying on God people, a people that wholly rely on God, for they shall inherit, they will obtain by inheritance the earth. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger, what's that word, hunger, to crave and eagerly desire. Blessed are those uh, to who crave and eagerly desire and thirst. What is thirst painfully and eagerly long for? That's why we're supposed to be thirsty people. We're painfully and eagerly longing for more. We're supposed to be hungry people. That's why he shows up when there's hungry people. That's why when, when we go after him with a hunger and a passion, something will always happen. It might not always be what you think it will be. But he will show up. It's a guarantee. It's, a, it's, it's part of the, the structures of the kingdom of God. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's always with us. So blessed, verse 6 again, blessed are those who hunger craven, eagerly desire, and thirst, uh, painfully and eagerly longing for. It means your longing in some way appears to be painful, but yet at the same time, it's liberating. And then what happens? For righteousness is what you're going after. You're hungry and you're thirsty for righteousness. What is righteousness? sin. What does it mean? Character, integrity, virtue, purity of life, right living, correctness of thinking, and feeling. Oh, okay, hold it. Blessed are those who crave and eagerly, who hunger and thirst, they, they eagerly long for character, integrity, virtue, Purity of life, righteousness, correctness of thinking and feeling. There must be an answer in this. There must be an answer to, to kingdom living on earth. There must be an answer of freedom because this is a sermon that Jesus preached on the mountain. Where did he go to spend time with his father? He would take off from Jesus, would take from the crowds, go up into the mountain. It all correlates. He's speaking what he saw his father do and what he hears his father say. And he's speaking, telling his disciples, the ones that have chosen to follow him. It doesn't necessarily say he's speaking to all the crowds. He's speaking his disciples around him. And most theologians would say that it's just to his disciples. Because if he spoke this way to people that didn't want to follow, it wouldn't sound, it would sound 
illogical. But Jesus is speaking words that are rational to an irrational soul. For the rest of part of verse 6, the ending of it. For they shall be filled. Cortazo is the word. What does it mean? Life of abundance. Oh, oh, but I'm just a wretched, dirty sinner. I can't own a new car. I can't own a nice house. I have to live poor. I'm a poor, wretched sinner. Wow. Let me just read verse 6 again. Blessed are those who hunger. I know I'm getting hungry. I keep looking at the clock. It's like it's still 1130. I thought for sure it'd be noon already. Blessed are those who hunger. Oh God, I'm hungry. I am. Physically. That has nothing on my spiritual hunger. Blessed are those who hunger. I crave and I eagerly desire more. And thirst. I painfully and eagerly long for more. And what am I going after? I'm going after righteousness. I'm going after character, integrity, virtue, purity of life, righteousness, correctness of thinking and feeling. Have I attained it 100%? No, but I'm doing better than I did. I have to be doing better. We have to be doing better. We know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We have to be doing better. I'm going after this. Because it says and promises I'll be filled with a life of abundance. (laughs) I I feel like I have a life of abundance. I do, I guess. It's a new shirt. It's a Christmas present that I bought for myself. Eddie Bauer was on sale in the Eddie Bauer store in Washington. I feel abundant. I, I got boots that are comfortable. I got pants, jeans. I have, I have a relationship with God I actually never thought I could have. <laughs> it's, it's like he just makes me feel good. <laughs> Even in times that my logical thinking would say I shouldn't feel good, but my logical thinking of his kingdom makes me think and feel good. I have a wife who survived me for 30 years. That's probably one of the greatest miraculous things that people tell me. And we have a covenant of marriage that is beautiful and wonderful. Three kids were on the platform today Two singing, one transitioning. My son-in-law, a preacher, 
or trained as a pastor? <laughs> On fire for God? He has enough relationship with my daughter, Samantha, that he got her pregnant? My first grandchild is right there. Wow, I got breath. Sometimes a little short when I'm skiing with my boys. Get it? Short of breath. Slow down. Wait for, remember I'm a grandpa. I can use it now. I love this concept. And so we pray for babies to grow healthy in Jesus' name. For they will be filled a life of abundance. Blessed are the merciful. That word is elamon. What does it mean? It means compassionate. Blessed are the compassionate people, for they shall obtain mercy. What is that again? Eleo, shorter version, they will experience mercy. Blessed are the compassionate. Blessed are the merciful, for they will experience mercy. <laughs> Verse 8, blessed are the pure. What is the word pure? Katharos. It means pure. Clean and pure is what it means. Blessed are the pure in heart. What is the heart? It's cardia. It's actually your thoughts and your feelings. We do it as a heart, cardia, because it's our life pump. It's life. But the reality is, is the word heart, cardia, is actually supernatural. It's, it's literally your thoughts and feelings. When we ask Jesus into our heart, I want to believe you're asking him into your thoughts and your feelings, your emotional state. Because honestly, that's what needs transition and changing is our thoughts and our feelings. Oh, no, no, but we say bless him. We ask him into our heart. Really, it's not fully a scriptural perspective. I bless him into our heart other than cardia in the sense that it's our emotional state. If you believe on him, you shall be saved. Just believe, repent, absolutely. Declare that he is Lord, absolutely. Uh, one of the Wycliffe missionary missionaries in Indonesia many years ago, sorry, in Papua New Guinea many years ago. My parents were with Wycliffe for a long time in South America for over 50 years, but this is another Wycliffe missionary in Papua New Guinea years ago. And they were working with a tribe there. And they were trans, Wycliffe translates the Bible in unknown languages. So they create a language, the unknown language, they, they put the sounds into, into letters and stuff and teach the people how to read so they can actually translate the Bible into a language. That's what Wycliffe does. And my parents have been, were doing it for over 50 years. So um, anyway, so this tribe though, Nemo, you thought it was a show, Nemo was the name of this young girl in this native tribe in Papua New Guinea. And the, the, the tribe feels that their life is in the throat. And so as soon as someone can no longer talk, 
they're classified as dead. And so Nemo, I think she was like 18, 17 years old, young girl, and she hadn't been able to talk for months. Obviously, the missionaries saw that she was very gravely ill, and, uh, but she was still moving, and they buried her. And the missionaries were crying out, no, Nemo is alive, alive. And they said, but she hasn't talked for months. She's dead. No, 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 she's moving. And they actually produced a, a movie. Uh, Wycliffe did a short movie about this one tribe and what happened in that experience. And, and so they, they translated the word. And they told the people, you need to invite Jesus into your throat because that's life to them. And so we can say into our heart, I would go and say, believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and know that he is Lord. Accept him into your wholeness of life. Whether it's your heart, I'm praying he's in your lungs, I'm praying he's flowing through your body, but most importantly, he's changed your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay, blessed are the pure, verse 8, the clean and pure, in heart, thoughts and feelings. For they shall see God, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That word persecuted is dioko. It can mean mistreated, suffer persecution on account of something. But it also means to run after, pursue, and seek eagerly and earnestly endeavor to acquire. So blessed are those who are persecuted. Things are said wrongly about you. People are after you because they don't like what you stand for because you stand for Jesus Christ. Guess what? There's people that are dying today around this world who are persecuted to death for the sake of the gospel. Here we are in Canada, in America, and we get persecuted to be politically correct. You know what? Let me tell you what politically correct is. It's right here. It's the word of God. <laughs> this is politically correct. No matter what country or nation I live in. People say, watch out, Brent. Watch out for what? I'm standing on the word of God. Marriage is, my word is very clear. Marriage is between a man and a woman, period. That's the marriage of the politically correct statements from the Word of God. You're a boy, you're a boy. You're a girl, you're a girl. That's the politically correctness of the Word of God right here, and I stand on that. If it sends me to jail, I got a captive audience. This is what we got to stand on. Yeah. It says, preach the gospel, the kingdom of heaven. I, that's politically correct to me. My Bible tells me to do it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. You know what? Any person who's been truly healed, raised from the dead, demons cast out, or leprosy has vanished, I guarantee you they're not looking at you and saying, oh, you actually, you're not politically correct. No, no, they're looking at you and saying, I like your politics. Blessed are those, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted. Okay, mistreated, suffer persecution. I don't Google my name anymore. It used to stress me out. What bothers me now is many of these people that just don't like you have never met you. I understand if 
you don't like me because you met me. <laughs> but please, at least let's go for coffee and let's talk. But I like the other side of dioko. It means to run after, pursue, and seek eagerly, and earnestly endeavor to acquire. Blessed are those who run after, pursue, and seek eagerly, and earnestly endeavor to acquire righteousness. The very next statement. Okay, so you suffer because you're going after righteousness. Guess what? If you don't go after righteousness, you probably won't suffer in the world. You'll just suffer in the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Amen. Thank you. Is it a boy? Is that a son? Is that a little boy? Praise God. That man has a man. He's just got wisdom on him already. <laughs> we just thank you, Father, for the pureness of the children's mouths, of your presence and your glory. Let us be like little children because he's not nervous to speak up in front of this whole congregation. <laughs> for righteousness... What does righteousness mean again? Decasoing. What does it mean? Character, integrity, virtue, purity of life, righteousness, correctness of thinking and feeling. If you get mistreated, persecuted because of that, praise God. I'm not saying I'm going after persecution. What I'm saying is you're actually living a testimony that someone actually sees you different than the rest of the world of sin. If you're not being persecuted because of that, maybe you need more righteousness. Maybe we all do. I know I do. I need more character. People say I have too much character already, but I need more. Integrity, virtue, purity of life, correctness of thinking and feeling. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go after that. Why? Because it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to add now. Now. Blessed are you when they revile, they defame you, and they persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. If it's not for the sake of God that they're saying bad things, then you need to look at yourself. Because they're going to say bad things about us, and it needs to be for the sake of God, because we're living in righteousness. Rejoice, verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here Jesus told us how to live. In these verses, Jesus was implying the difficulty, the difficulty of being a disciple in his kingdom. Because if, if you're after the praise of man, you're in the wrong building. <laughs> you're in the, yes, amen again. <laughs> If we're after the praises of man, you're with the wrong identity. Because you're going to get so saddened and depressed when someone doesn't like you. You're going to get so offended when all of a sudden someone that you were looking for praises from 
slams the daylights out of you. Not that it's ever happened. <laughs> and it hurts. I've had leadership leave for no reason. I, I couldn't even figure out why. My wife and I sit at home crying. Why did some of our closest friends, some of our closest leaders, like, we didn't even have a fight. I understand if we had a good fight. But all of a sudden, bam! And then all this stuff you hear through the grapevine. Anybody know what the grapevine is? It's not the big hill driving into Los Angeles. That's called the grapevine, I know. It's you hear these things that are being said about you, and you're like, what? I will guarantee you if you're in form of ministry or leadership or in business in some form or a parent and your kids think wrongly once in a while about you, it does hurt, especially when we're trying to do good. I had to realize that I can't be after the praises of man. I have to be after my Father who is in heaven. And you know how many times I get in my hotel room and I put my head on the word on the floor. And I say, oh God, let me just minister you. I just want to minister you, Father. Whatever you have to say, I want to say it. I don't want them to praise me. I want them to praise you, Father. You see, the disciples that Jesus was talking to at this time, they had already experienced this miraculous man. And they knew that if they hung in with him, they were going to experience more. They knew it. But Jesus had to bring and expose the attitude of their hearts in the Sermon on the Mount to bring them to the place of receiving the kingdom of God. Because they were starting to get a little bit prideful. They were starting to enjoy the fame of this man. These guys, they had been broke fishermen. They weren't necessarily the richest people in the world at all, like zero. And all of a sudden, thousands are following. And so Jesus had to bring them a sermon on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. He had to bring them a sermon on the mountain to expose their hearts because their hearts weren't ready to grasp and understand more of the kingdom that Jesus was bringing. Jesus did not need to tell them to be happy. They were already happy because it was so amazing what was happening around them. They had just seen deliverances, healings, signs and wonders, miraculous. The disciples must have been joyful, but yes, they were tired. Oh, this is why I say 
When you're tired, don't give up. Oh, you're going to be tired. If you give up when you're tired, you'll be tired all the time because that devil wants you to give up. And Jesus began to stir up within them the reasons why they had left their homes, uh, why they had left their businesses and their jobs, uh, and the desperation it took to travel such distances to pursue this Jesus and find him in the wilderness. Uh, that's why he was trying to explain what these disciples needed to know and needed to learn in the changing of their own hearts. The sense of desperation is what Jesus identifies as being poor in spirit. Be desperate. Don't get comfortable in the riches, but be desperate in the kingdom. Before Jesus, they felt they had no purpose, but since Jesus' teachings, they felt they had purpose. With the teachings of this, this Son of God, this man, they had hope again. The disciples recognized that the fact that they could not find a cure on their own and that they had to humble themselves and look for help from an outside source. And this had to be a big revelation because so many times uh, we think we can do it on our own. We can do it on our own. But I'm here to tell you that is not how God created you and me. We have to have him. We have to have all three of him. <laughs> and even then, you're not called to do it on your own. Then we have to have family. We have to come together. We have to gather together. People say, oh, oh, you know, oh, I don't want to go to church anymore. What? Let me explain the word church. There's two meanings of the word church. One is oikos which in most of scripture texts now is the gathering together as family. So what you're saying is you, you don't need to gather together as family. Oh, no, 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 I mean church. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Be careful what you say. Because the other meaning to church is ecclesia. And what does that mean? It's the governmental structure of the kingdom of heaven. So when you say, I don't need church, what you're saying is, I don't need family. I'm doing it on my own, and I don't need any government of structure of the kingdom of heaven. And I look at you, and I say, you're a loser. Because if you know, because you, you're letting a bad experience that you had, because you worship someone so much that they hurt you, You're going to let that stop you from gathering together as a family and looking at the governmental structure of the kingdom of heaven built on apostles and prophets as Christ's chief cornerstone? Hmm. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is the submission to authority. Oh, let me say that louder, just in case no one heard it. Meekness is the submission to authority. What is meekness? It means submissiveness. Look it up. Google it. Webster's, it all means the same. Meekness means submissiveness. And the submissive ones come to the Father, to Jesus Christ. 
The disciples' hunger, their disciples' hunger and thirst drove them to seek this man of God. Their salvation could only come from the merciful one. They had to reach beyond what they were receiving from this world, and they had to grab onto the impossible that was being demonstrated by this man called Jesus. They had to choose to go after it. Otherwise, you would have never heard about him, and they would have been fishing for fish and not souls. In their long journey of seeking him, there came a sense of surrender from past failures and inner desire for righteousness. And they sat before the man of God, healed, delivered, and set free. And there came an overwhelming sense of the peace with God. Jesus described these emotions, experiences, and attitudes by saying, this is the kingdom of God. And what you have just encountered is God's kingdom coming to each of you. Jesus later summarized his message in this one statement. In this one statement, he later summarizes his message. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. All these things shall be added to you. But seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness. If we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his kingdom will come in us as it is in heaven. It might not look like how you think it will or how you feel it should look. It might not look like that. But his kingdom will be everything that you and I will ever need to accomplish in his will. The attitude of faith is a whole heart that seeks first the kingdom of God over all other sources of happiness. Our attitude has to seek first this kingdom of God. It, I have to seek it over my, before I even can love my wife properly. I had to seek his kingdom first. I bet you John and Lona have been seeking the kingdom of God in their lives. And I bet it's changed over the years of 50 years of marriage. There's been a shifting and a changing. And they've adapted and they've grown and they've continued. I mean, look at we, we have people in our congregation from infants to seniors and everything in between seeking the kingdom of God because it's not one age group that's in the revival. It's a generation of revival. And I'm not expecting my kids to live in revival because I don't know how to. Are you kidding me? That's kind of like telling your kids, uh, do as I say and not as I do. It's not right. It's not right. As we put the Lordship of Jesus Christ over our thoughts and over every feeling, our emotions, and over every ambition, our will, we will experience the evidence of God's kingdom in our souls. And that will touch the lives of the people around us. Faith recognizes that true blessings exist in the kingdom of God. We have to know it. But faith is what reaches in and grabs it and brings those blessings to earth as it is in heaven. Our cry to the Father needs to be, Lord, bring the order that is in your kingdom 
to every disorder around me so that chaos in my life will turn to your peace. Let's all stand. I'm going to say that once again. And let's, let's pray this together. You can repeat after me. Lord. That wasn't very good. We're talking about righteousness. We're talking about pursuit. We're talking about going for something. I mean, for crying out loud, we have more volume in a hockey game. Even when your team's losing, if you're a Vancouver Canucks player. But anyways, yeah, it's like, it's like, this is the last Sunday of 2018. Are we going to, are we going to live in death or are we going to live in passion and victory? Are we going to let all the problems of 2018 carry forward into 219? That's insanity. That's crazy. Why would we do that? You and I aren't even called to live in the problems. We're called to live in the victory, which is the victory of the problems. <laughs> and I guarantee you, every problem that surrounds any one of us, I guarantee you, has a solution of victory. And it's actually, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's in you. The solution of the problem. Yeah, but Brent, you don't know what they did to me. I actually don't need to know. But I will tell you what. Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, Father God are the answer to your problem. Yeah, but I've carried this pain for so many years. Is that supposed to make me celebrate you? I celebrate you, but I'm looking at you letting go of the pain of so many years. Because the patterns are changing. The pattern you walked into this building with is changing as you walk out. If it's not, and you've walked into this house, into this family, because you don't want to change, then why did you come? Well, so-and-so made me come. Well, that's just a bad excuse for what God wants to do and is speaking to you right now. You're here. Oh, maybe you're here because someone invited you. Absolutely. But I'll tell you why they invited you. Because they knew something God would speak to you if we have ears to hear and eyes to see. I'm not God. I'm a man who doesn't deserve the platform. But God says I do. And so now I have to agree with him. Because if I don't, I kind of go against him. And you deserve him and you deserve more. Every one of you. You deserve greatness. And you deserve the fame of his name walking with you and talking with you and spending time with you. Who you don't deserve is the devil or his demons or any of the sin. You don't deserve sin. You were born into sin. 
But when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are transformed from darkness to light. Maybe you're here this morning. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning. And you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching on TV right now and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't understand what that all means. Or maybe you have accepted him in the past and and you just haven't been living the lifestyle that you know you're supposed to live. And you want to say today, Jesus, I want more of you. I don't understand it, but I want, to, I want to receive you into my life today. If that's you, just put your hand up real quick. Just put your hand up real quick if that's you. I want to give you opportunity today if you want to receive Jesus Christ. Maybe you want to just say, you know what? 2018 has not made me super happy in some ways. And maybe you want to change that sadness to joy. Maybe you want to feel that happiness again that you haven't been feeling over this last season. Maybe, maybe due to circumstances or bad decisions of other people or bad decisions in your own life. And maybe you just want to say, you know, you know what, God, I, I just want to re-give myself to you. Whatever that might look like, I'm game to go for it. If that's you, put your hand up real quick. I just want to see. I see those hands. Many hands. Many hands. Many hands. Father God, hear our prayers. Oh, Father God, hear our hearts. Hear the babies crying. There's so many babes that are crying in this world. And let it touch our hearts. Let it drive compassion to life in us. For our marriages, oh Father. For our families, Lord God. For our relationships. For our churches. And the churches of this valley and around this world. That celebrate you, Jesus, I pray. That we will open our hearts, ears, and eyes. For the patterns that are changing in our lives, changing in our churches, for the increase, Lord God, the one treasure chest turning to three for 2019. We thank you, Father God, for you are in heaven and your name is hallowed. Holy. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those, all those that have spoken poorly, trespass against us, that have done bad things to us, trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation. No more temptation in Jesus' name. And deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom 
It's the power and it's the glory forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, Amen. Amen.